Welcome to Talking in Stations. It's Matterall here. I'm with Ashtarothy. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashtarothy, and it is Friday. The weekend is here. It's time for us to stop pretending to work all the week and get to our Eve weekend. That's right. We're also here with Rundle. How are you doing, Rundle? Fellow New Eden Capsuleers. Uh, I'm not as good as he is. Hey, everyone. <laughs> it is the weekend. Time to do your Eve jobs and do your Eve fun things. Yeah, as you inspired him, he was trying to come up with uh, the same kind of energy that you bring to the program. But he sounds like yeah, Space well, Ghost. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've been, I, I, I've put, I actually have sat down and put a lot of work or thought into what kind of shticks and whatnot. So I'm glad yeah. that... I'm glad that it pays off. <laughs> like, like, it's kind of like opening hello PVP in a way. Is the way I'm, I'm just trying to come up with a couple different ways to combat your your over the top amazing energy. Because I want to listen when you talk, and then I but I have to talk at this point too. So I need to get myself all ramped up too. So all right, that's all right. We we actually don't have a ton today. So if you if we do have any sort of like if we want to meander in our thoughts or whatever at any point, uh, feel free to talk as long as you would like to. Let's start with some corrections. And boy, do we need to correct. Uh, yesterday, we had a show where we talked about how to cash in on this change that's coming with the industrial uh, upgrades. I guess you can call it an upgrade, but it's a kind of a... Turns out building faction battleships is really bad. Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's still a good idea. Um, but I did say uh, that these changes where they expand the ingredient base to the items is going to affect T2 next. And what I meant was modules. For some reason, I always think of T2 and modules at the same time. But really, it was uh, modules will be probably reconfigured uh, to eat up a lot more ingredients. There's another correction right. too, right? That is correct. Uh, well, actually, I had one. I don't know if we talked about this, but uh, when we talked about the hunt, uh, a couple of things. One, I did actually forget to mention the fact that there's login rewards. Whoopsie daisy, but I think that if you even start right now, you can still get them all. Um, we, covered, we covered that yesterday. Excellent. The yeah. important piece to that, though, is that the keys are um, the second day. If you're an Omega, you get two extra keys. And if you're an Alpha, I think you get one. Um, and people are buying those keys. So I don't know, because the, they need them in order to be able to run a whole bunch of the sites. So... At the very least, if you log in that second login day, if you're not going to use them, if you don't care about the event, find somebody who does because it's worth money to them. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, that uh, correction, I want to thank uh, EvenX13, who uh, pointed out that I had said T2, and he was setting me straight, which he should have, that T2 is already a complicated process. Uh, so anything Tech2 already requires multiple ingredients and all that sort of thing. So again, I meant modules. Right. Modules will probably get an expansion as far as what kinds of things need to go into the T1 variants of modules. Then we think sure. rigs. Then we think um, more things along the lines. We think yeah. eventually everything will have a little bit of multiple things, including stations, we think, or structures. Yeah, but there, so there is you know a small asterisk to everything, right? If you're going to build 
Marauders or Black Ops, I think I talked a little bit about this last night, that's going to take a straight-up battleship. And that recipe will change to the new recipes, which will take some of the new materials. And so that T2 ship, by proxy of it using a T1 battleship, will actually now can be in the path of the new change with some of the change. Although the T2 recipe itself doesn't change. And who knows what they'll do long-term on the T2 ship recipes. Um, so anyways, small little asterisk. Like everything in EVE, there's a little gotcha somewhere along the way. Yeah. Also, uh, we talked about, uh, somebody said something really interesting in the YouTube comments about uh, the loyal point. The loyalty point store will help balance out the uh, faction battleship uh, costs. So it may not reach 1.6 uh, billion as we said uh, is possible hypothetically uh, we know right that high. but even those lp stores still require the basic ship first <laughs> right but the battleship may go down in price so it may actually get cheaper right but the but the faction variant in order to build right. it will cost more i think you can actually buy faction variants right you can buy navy so the megathron's going to get cheaper yeah some calculations show the oh. Megathron. It's mixed. Some people say it's more expensive. Some people say it's less expensive. It has different ingredients, but overall, in today's prices, it actually gets a little bit cheaper. But the uh, interesting. But it does have the new components. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of a it's it's in some ways incalculable right now. Yeah. But so it listen, is what it is. The the bottom line is this: what we said yesterday is still what we recommend. What I recommend. So only blame me, not anybody else. And the faction battleship may go to about one billion, a little over one billion, or a little under one billion. But that's like my intuitive projection, and it's based on uh, it's just experience. That's it. Okay, so. And sadly, no one sent me a hundred million dollars for my top tier investing information that I was going to send. You sent me a hundred million dollars. I will show you how to make a billion dollars in Eve. That was my offer yesterday, but hey, no one took me up on it. Probably smarter to dot than to do but yeah, it was worth a try you ended up you ended up buying some stuff didn't you yeah i think i fell from my own scam so i ended <laughs> up dropping i think i i think the last i looked i dropped um let's see if i do the math right uh, we'll carry the one oh, about 17 billion isk yesterday on uh some various B, uh blueprints and uh, straight up ships so yeah Fair we'll enough. see i took the advice i took your advice matter i'm all in almost all in all right we'll, we'll see well you can i was you can take it out on me if it doesn't work out. Go ahead, Ash. Yeah, I was spending a little while chewing on the numbers, looking at like Triglavian stuff. Um, and what are you going to do? It, what are you uh, getting for Christmas? Well, we had, so we have a major stockpile of stuff. Um, and so one of the things where I'm kind of at right now is that a lot of these things, because the materials are changing in certain ways, it might be worth locking them up just to refine them potentially afterwards if necessary so um you know i i have a, a very big stockpile of certain minerals um and so trying to figure out where we can most strategically use them probably triglavian stuff mm -hmm. um right now lishax and drex are still seeing a lot of use and have a lot of uh um a lot, you know really pretty good margins still right now and I think that Drex and Lashax are still going to be super useful in that era. And, you know, especially since anything that allows you to punch higher pound for pound than you are 
will be good if things like capitals and stuff are become harder to deploy. If you can't just drop dreads willy-nilly, then you're going to want to have a few Lashaks laying around to get the job done. Yeah, good point. Okay, a couple other things that we uh, didn't mention. These are not corrections, but they're just adjustments to some of the advice that that I gave. Uh, is to um, look out for uh, CCP changing drop rates for things. You know, that may actually help lower prices since the construction now is uh, expensive. They may be up the rarity, so it's less rare, and uh, and therefore the prices go down. Also, think about the other side of this. Do you have things in asset safety? might be a good time to take them out of asset safety before they uh, double in expensiveness and therefore cost you more in, in fees to unload those. So uh, take a look around you and remember there's another side to this. If prices go up, um, getting stuff out of asset safety will be cheaper now than it will be later. Okay. So. Right. Well, so I, I just want to say one more thing about yeah. this though, um, just to talk about the complexity issue. Um, so the way it works right now is that uh, everything T1 is dirt simple. Like I didn't do industry for, for eight years, uh, like really. And then when I started getting into it, what I realized was basically uh, all, almost all of T1 industry boils down to take minerals, take blueprint, rub together, get thing. It really doesn't get much more complicated than that. Uh, with with very few exceptions. Sometimes you have to rub together something to get something and then rub together those things to get another thing and then you're done. Yeah. Literally, that's it. T2 production is mind-blowingly complicated in comparison, right? You have invention, which has its own set of skills. Each each thing you want to invent is has specific skills about that thing. Two different skills go into that. And so whatever, if you want to change to a different thing, you got to not, you got to get make sure that people have the skills to do it. You can do the invention. You can build, do the build. You know, like you might, you can't just take a blueprint and the materials and rub it together and get it. If you don't have those skills to do it, it just tells you to go pound sand. So in every single step, it's not only more difficult in like the amount of steps, but the, each step is totally different. It, it introduces all new mechanics. Reaction materials become necessary. You introduce uh, all different kinds of uh, things that is completely, pretty much unmanageable for a one-person operation by themselves with no structures or anything. Whereas in industry, anyone can build, or T1, most people can just, you could build whatever the hell you want in a station. And sure, you may not be the most profitable, but at least you got your battleship built right here. What this is trying to do is take a lot of the that incredibly flat plane of the T1 industry field and and build a little bit of texture to that and take some of the things that they've learned as they've built other kinds of industry like drug manufacturing, fuel block manufacturing, structure manufacturing and fold those concepts plus some of the ones that they've experimented with in Echo, Eve Echoes um, to make it so that industry instead of being flat plane sky high cliff is now this kind of ramp up where anyone can get started it's dirt simple but as you get up there it gets harder and harder my yeah. green screen is that's all right it was just because your hands not having fine. a good day yeah uh all yeah right. so so i think that that's really important to to point out because as uh, people that don't do any industry i don't think 
people realize how dramatic of a difference in a uh, in complexity and in uh, difficulty T1 to T2 is. T1 industry is almost unsustainable as a group activity because it's so easy for an individual to just do it. T2 industry is almost impossible to do as an individual activity with or with no support without it, like a sprawling alts or something like that. So there needed to be more middle ground. Yeah. Sorry, that was my and, soapbox and, uh, on that. And cruiser-based T3 is even more complicated than T2, so it gets really crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, T3 stuff is, is largely based off of T2 stuff, like the same concepts, but, but sh shuffled around a little bit. Um, so yeah, there are other things that add a little bit of complexity, but really it's like there's all of this stuff where industry is actually an incredibly shallow gameplay right now. Yeah, it's super flat. Um, and then there's all of this high-level stuff that is almost impossible to grok without like reading a, a, a field manual or something. And so the, the, the idea here is like, how do we make steps along the way? How do we, it's like, okay, well now you use minerals and a little bit of PI. Now you use minerals and this reactionary stuff. Oh, well, if you want to learn some basics about reactions then you can do this, you should probably have a little bit of a PI colony now, you know, whatever. Like it makes industry into a journey um, of, of how to acquire an increasing mm -hmm. complex, complex supply chain. Yeah. And yesterday we talked about the skills. There's about uh, 250 to 275 days worth of skills that you need to train up. Uh, so it's all, it's it's a little more dedicated, a little more active gameplay, per se, and not necessarily um, a second thought as it was in the game right. before, at least T one. Okay. Thank yeah, you. and to that be clear with those skills, the expectation isn't that a single person would train all of those skills. That's why there's so many skills. It's because each empire has their own sciences, and those sciences are used to build these tech two things. So any given tech two item has usually, I think, two different science skills that apply to them. So a Galente drone will have certain things, and maybe a Caldari drone may have different, uh, have may share one, uh, and but have a different one or something like that. And so this controls what data cores you use. This controls what uh, what skills you use. And so that's what I'm saying. Like you can. The expectation here isn't that you actually build everything. The expectation here isn't that you train all of the skill points. The expectation is you decide what thing you produce and then train the skills to produce that thing, knowing that there's going to be less competition because you're only competing against other people who have trained the skills to be able to produce that. Yeah, it's like ships. You train into the ship you want to fly for a while, and then you train into the next one you want to fly for a while. So, right. Okay. Um, what's this about a cluster failure? Oh, this morning. Yeah. yeah. So this morning there was a complete cluster failure. It lasted, I think, about 30 minutes. They brought it back up. It wasn't a big deal. Um, I will say that if if you lost anything this morning, uh, petition it. Worst they can do is say no, and the petitions actually help them triage situations potentially. So don't be afraid to. Um, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things that happened, and they communicated they communicated on Twitter. Yeah. All right, so we got disconnected. All yep. Right. Astarothy, something about a sino here. Let's bring that up. Oops. Wow. Oh yeah. No. So so uh, one of the big one of the news today. I didn't have like a video or something to show about it. I didn't see if they were doing a party or anything. But uh, I did see an announcement on Reddit this morning that Horde has turned six years old. Pandemic Horde is now Happy six birthday. years old. Happy birthday. 
So now we have a good measuring stick for the rise of the the, the new bro organiz, uh, friendly swarm organization that that kind of became very popular during the empire building phase of Eve. Um, <laughs> now it's a good group of guys. Um, yeah, if you, um, I, th I think a few episodes ago, I gave you the origin story of Horde, where they came from, how they were motivated early on, where the, a lot of their classic themes come from. Mm -hmm. um, Horde really comes out of Brave. And uh, if you want to know more about that, there's an article uh, called The Brave Story. Uh, I'll bring it up here. And that talks about how basically when Karma Fleet broke off of Brave and when uh, pand uh, pandemic horde broke off of brave and northern army which actually fell apart so it was like unfortunately didn't survive let me see you remember brave early on ash oh yeah brave uh brave got formed because of asakai um the battle for asakai was attracted a, a bunch of people that could join the game and that included this guy who is, I believe he was like a, um, either way, he like ran a company or something like that. So he was already like an organizationally minded person. And so he wanted to, uh, you know, get into Eve. He Just like everybody else that was joining at that time, he was really excited. And what he ran into was a whole bunch of better vets that were super focused on ISK per hour and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, don't do any of those things. That's boring and lame and whatever. And so... Uh, he created an organization that rejected that notion and had the standing philosophy of fun per hour as their guiding motto. And they pretty famously were okay with how bad they were for a while. But within a, exactly one year later to the day uh, when the sovereignty of BTACR suddenly came into uh, question, in a way that people didn't expect. Uh, Brave actually was at that fight in a pretty significant way. And so it's a pretty interesting... I, I always think of the, the story of the Battle of Asakai to the Battle of Bitakar as uh, being really interesting bookends to the, the origin of, of Brave Newbies. Yeah, they, they came around right after all that. Okay, so happy birthday to Pandemic Horde, which is essentially the... <laughs> It's not the offspring of Brave. It literally is the arm that was carved off the body of Brave by Pandemic Legion. Because Pandemic Legion was trying to woo them into participating with Pandemic Legion. Because, uh, again, at the time they had rebalanced ships, made T1 frigates useful, especially with E-War. And now you had a ton of guys that wanted to get in on big fights and they could fit into a T1 frigate. And they could do E-War right away. And that big cloud of E-War was something that could be very helpful to advanced players that had uh, Dreadnoughts, for instance. Uh, so they could lock up the opponents while the Dreadnoughts went to work on the opponents. So Pandemic Legion saw that as a benefit to them. But it also they also saw it as like, these are new guys that are fresh faces that are really excited about the game. They're not coming in bitter. And uh, so they're fun to hang out with because they're very impressed when they see a Titan, right? They actually go ooh and ah, <laughs> um, and also yeah. Actually, the uh, in the oh my god, that's a titan, or the there's a this is Eve video or whatever. Yeah, 
the Titan jumps in and you hear, oh my god, that's a Titan! Yeah, they actually... Uh, that line and the, uh, how do I warp to something? I think those are both yeah, real. from them. Yeah, there's also a video... Oh, all of the video audio from that was real, there's, but both of that was from them. I got you. The, the, there's also a video of um, NC Dot dropping in on a couple of carriers from uh, Cult of War in front of brave newbies and you can hear their audio and they're like, they're like, Oh my God, that's a Titan. And everybody freaks out and they're like, Whoa, that's NC dot. And being an NC dot, that feels pretty good because you're impressing people. And so that's, that was something that, you know, PL, everybody, every veteran likes that. But PL saw this as like, Hey, um, Hey, you guys, we can bring you along on a contract and you can kind of come with us and we'll show you what it's like to be on a contract in NullSec. But uh, Horde right. didn't want anything to do with politics. And so uh, Horde had a lot of instability with leadership because of problems with their uh, tensions between their FC and their CEOs. And the FCs basically said, we're going to uh, Horde. So that's kind of what happened. And that's how Horde kind of got started. But really, it took Gobbins getting involved to really make it what it is today. Happy yeah, birthday. But all, all of this was also happening with due to massive changes that were happening in EVE Online. Um, or I don't know, whatever uh, changes that resulted in a, a a big shift in focus from having smaller elite groups of people towards how many people you can have. Right? This was a li I think this was even a little bit before like the ADMA era, but that definitely solidified it. But um, as things like OTEC, which was uh, a, a cartel that allowed uh, the Imperium before they were the Imperium to make a ton of money on technetium by over, over artificially infl over inflating its value. That's true. That's true. The point was once upon a time, they basically just milked these moons and just had tons of money. And so they didn't worry about it. And they didn't. And the idea was, is that if they brought more people in, they'd have to share that wealth. And so it was about finding the right people. But then it became more about ratting taxes and you know holding and wor and increasingly working your territory. Um, and so suddenly, these organizations went from uh, being very insular to suddenly needing to as many people as possible. And Brave at that time. Uh, when the when the alliances of that era failed to embrace this new bro group that was coming in, that's the reason why Brave exploded, was because these new bros came in, were unhappy with the institutions that they saw, saw this new bro institution, and saw that as the answer to their problem. And collectively, they got together and they they created a different kind of culture and a different view of the game, and that helped them, you know, survive and sustain. But what it also meant was that Brave was very valuable as an ally, but nobody really knew what to do with them quite yet. And so they bounced around a lot in the early days, and they got used a lot by various different institutions in different ways. Um, and But very quickly, especially after BTECR, um, as you start to see the rise of Horde and Karma Fleet, one of the reasons why you see that is because all of the major blocks by that point had acknowledged that we need to have our own swarm of some kind. And so each of the empire or each of the group main blocks or whatever you want to call them created their own version of it. 
And since Pandemic Legion is generally uh, like to see themselves as significantly more chaotic, they don't have, they generally don't have, uh, they rotate their leadership. They don't uh, necessarily have the same loyalties from, you know, campaign to campaign. They're, they see themselves as a virus and there's like a bunch of, like chaos is bred into their order. Their newbie group, Horde, was seen to to be given like a lot more leverage than say Karma Fleet to the Imperium, um, and Brave is of course their own thing. So Horde, while nominally connected to Pandemic Legion, has always been exactly what their name is. They're a Horde. They 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 rarely try to organize them into cohesive blocks. Diplomacy with them is difficult at best. It's often best to just convince Horde to go to an area to just destroy everything that is there rather than uh, get them to go after strategic things. But they really have built their own position and strength within the game at this point. And this is this is when you correct me and all the things I said wrong because I'm yeah. a dirty care bear. Well, it'll take a long time to correct all that, uh, unfortunately. But okay, I was letting <laughs> you riff. You're doing good. <laughs> no, um, and, and like I said, there there is definitely background processes. And I guess what I what what I just explained is, I guess the the narratives that have been spun over the years. So that's like the oh. that's like the presentation Wait. as I've interpreted it, as it's been pre- given to me over the years as I've watched this play out. So maybe it's wrong, no. but I feel like that's like what. There's a lot what of, it seems there, to have played there's out. a lot of strands in there that are that are correct and uh i think you kind of had to live through the era to kind of figure out all the stuff like you did like i did um i was already news writing at the time and um putting out hundreds of articles you know that year on what was going on i'd already i already kind of played eve like i'd kind of yeah. done everything there was in the game by that point so i was in the uh uh the mode of like uh understanding it and stuff and i was you know kind of dismissive so i'd kind of dismissed brave i always thought they should have stayed uh low sec and unpolitical but they grew too big and they decided to get into null sec and that just doesn't work not being political at that point so they got into a bunch of trouble and that became interesting and that's when i actually started looking at brave i always say brave but i'm linking it to the origins the beginnings of um not only karma fleet but uh pandemic horde in this case who's turning six so around 2015 a lot of stuff was going on yeah, um, so yeah, I can give you a slightly different perspective, right? So uh, I played, it was around when Brave kind of came along. I was there, saw that, and then around 2015, 2015, 2015, around 2015, I kind of just did my own thing. I couldn't play a lot, so I, I, I had been playing and had, you know, but very low-key, often high-sec mining, just kind of developing some other characters. And then I decided um, in mid to early 2017, come back, start playing again, a little more PvP and all that sort of stuff. And somehow I just missed this uh, pandemic horde kind of appearing out of nowhere. And so literally within, for the most part, a year, that first year, there was a noticeable difference in how everything happened in NullSec and and how the encounters, it was noticeable change and very quick. And so props to PL and pandemic horde how they put that together and they really dramatically changed uh, how the game was played in a very short period of time. A lot of these things tend to, you know, take two, three years usually to develop over time that, you know, I I literally remember asking myself, who is, who are these guys? And I, are they really part of pandemic Legion? I had to go and actually do a bunch of research and really try to find out, ask a bunch of questions, talk to some old contacts. 
because I was like, who are these people? Because yeah. they had significant impact in battles and fights and the game very quickly. Well, uh, again, the Pandemic Horde is a little bit different than Conflict. We'll just talk about their characteristics now. Uh, and that Pandemic Horde, anybody can join Pandemic Horde. Whereas in Karma Fleet, uh, you have to be vetted in because it's actually, Karma Fleet is a corporation inside of Goon Swarm. Pandemic Horde is an alliance and uh, they actually have a bunch of differences. But a lot of Pandemic Horde's success, even if you look at their branding, the little beans and the little uh, playful type of um, branding that they do for themselves is very reminiscent of Goon Swarm and the bees. Um, so... Mm -hmm. The sex, the, the 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 SIGs that they did, not the sex, right? <laughs> no X, that's uh, CKS. Um, I got to tell you, voice to text, I, I use a lot because I'm dyslexic and I don't want to type a lot. And saying low sec never works out. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Uh, okay. Sorry, carry on. Um, so inside of the SIGs, um, there's, uh, uh, there's kind of like a lot of the lessons that Horde used in order to organize themselves. Not all of them, but a lot of them were from watching what was successful over in uh, Goon Swarm. I don't know if that's deniable. There's too many things. Even the war bonds that happened earlier, uh, goons were laughed at. And then you see war bonds in Test. You see war bonds in uh, Fraternity or in, I, I don't know, NC Dot maybe. But the point is a lot of good ideas come out of the uh, Goon Swarm, out of the Imperium, that are usually copied by other groups. I think the thing that sets Horde apart, though, is a different philosophy about what a new player is capable of. Whereas Goon Swarm is a lot more closed, right? If you're not in Goon Swarm, you're essentially an enemy of Goon Swarm. And you don't get into, and that's for me, I'm saying that, not talking in stations. But if you're, but in order to get into Goon Swarm, you have to be vetted. You have to go through a security process. They don't want anybody around that they don't trust and that sort of stuff. Horde doesn't do that. Horde is anybody can join, right. anybody can leave at any time, and you can participate all the time in pretty much everything. So it's a much more open society. That's completely different. Yep. And it very purposeful. That's what I, That was the phrase I was looking for. It seemed to me that Horde, the creation of Horde, was a very purposeful um, set of steps, whereas sometimes you just kind of, hey, let's put something together, and you kind of fall into... Um, you know, greatness in terms of pandemic horde, it certainly seemed a very purposeful and deliberate um, way of putting things together. And so, yeah. Hey, happy birthday. Well done. That's a uh... happy birthday horde. Six years old. Okay. Uh, let's see. These are just the right. opening. These are just the opening headlines. <laughs> is it, I mean, like literally, it's all. It's, it's kind of. It's also it's, all we got. So we got. besides, what are we doing this weekend? So we, which we could get to next, but or soon. But I do want to talk real on. quick. Where, where are you going to go? Uh, the tweet. Or oh, you, which one go, you ahead, go to the tweet. Yeah, and then we'll go to the. Go ahead. Actually, I will. I'll go to the uh, Hall of Echoes next. Yeah, I want to know about this. It's, this is our own. Yeah, um, actually, this is something I'm excited to watch. This this is kind of about a little bit about what what to do this weekend, um, which we'll get into afterwards. But um, uh, the Hall of Echoes, uh, our own Who's a Fish, makes a Eve Echoes video too. And so in Echoes, there has been, they just recently got sovereignty. And so they're just feeling out their first attempts at being dicks to each other. And so this group called uh, the Golden Horde 
rose up and was really showing to be a very strong contender for power player in the game. And then a bunch of uh, groups came together in a coalition, including um, the uh, GenFed, Genesis Foundation, which, uh, full disclosure, I am part of, um, and uh, pretty much kicked him in the teeth. And so this is a interview with the head of the Golden Horde. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it myself, but I actually had it already recommended to me by by somebody who knows that I'm into Eve Echo stuff. Uh, she just released it this today. So uh, I'm really excited to go check it out myself because I want to know more about how this works. It really is interesting how Eve Echo's player base has handled their expo you know they're moving into eve or to the game itself right because in a lot of ways it's a it, to me it reminds me of um like vanilla wow uh or the 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 wow remastered classic servers, like classic, classic classic servers. servers yeah 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 when they came out with that like i remember watching this really interesting video about um like the dichotomy or the difference between like what we talk about when we talk about the good old days of World of Warcraft versus the reality of playing in actual classic WoW, you know, what does actually come back as being like, oh yeah, this was something that was important versus things that are like, oh yeah, I'm totally over it within six seconds. I want to get back to the way, it, you know, the way it is now, um, you know, but Eve Echoes has some of that in the fact that it is basically a complete reset of Eve Online, but in general, the EVE Online player base has rejected EVE Echoes in a weird way. And yet, EVE Echoes has a pretty okay player base. I, mean, I don't know the exact numbers, so I don't want to use anything that will be used against me. But uh, it seems healthy enough at the moment. So, I mean, there's groups and wars and big conflicts and lots of ships dying. So, But most of the people in EVE Echoes have never played EVE Online. And most people in EVE Online have never played EVE Echoes. So it's interesting to keep an eye over the over the side, especially since we know that CCP is. You know, CCP's watching how things are done in Echoes and how the players respond to them, and they could potentially learn lessons. For example, mm -hmm. I you know, uh, as I've mentioned before, in EVE Echoes, everything has some minerals and some PI in it, or you know, something like that. Like every ship has a mineral component and a PI component. And so just you having your own PI colony is just an expectation. Now, it's it's a little bit different because it's literally just like every 24 hours, you have to hit the button to keep the timer going for 24 hours. And every two or three days, you get the uh, the, the stuff out of the can. Um, but, uh, you know, still, it's it's kind of like a thing. Like well, if, you, if you haven't started your PI colony, what are you doing? Well, uh, I think you said something that's kind of interesting there in that uh, they have references to New Eden, that are completely separate to our references. It's almost like you have a stepbrother that you've never met. And then you go to the beach with your dad and there's this guy calling your dad, dad. And that must be a really weird feeling. It, yeah. But um, so the thing is, is that uh, the Eve player base, like our culture affects how we process things. And so it's interesting to see, and, and more importantly, like because Eve is a game where we, uh, uh, it, it, the expectation is that you're taught by another player. It's a very li like lineage knowledge of how to play Eve is handed down from player to player, as opposed from CCP to player via tutorials or whatever. And so what that means is that we also pass on our assumptions, our, our feelings about the matter, 
our failures and our perspective, which is actually a different perspective than theirs. Um, so whereas in Eve Echoes, they don't have those contexts. So like, for instance, it's very common for them to put together like a four or five man group to go run missions or mm. event sites or something like that, whatever it is together. Like that idea of like forming a group and doing PVE together is just something that is totally ingrained in their culture. Whereas in EVE Online, CCP has thus so far failed to, to get the player base to look at any problem besides asking, how many alts does this take, you know, or whatever, yeah. or how can I solo this? All right. You know, Let, let's, I'm tapping out of EVE Echoes. Yep. So let's go back to EVE Online. Because uh, that's the moving audience. on. That's the audience we have. So uh, okay, so you caught us up on this video, and you can check it out on Talking in Stations. Who's the fish there in the bottom left? She's our Eve Echoes expert, and also uh, an alliance leader in the game. So what's right. this? So, what's this uh, Twitter about? Yeah. So about a couple days ago, I was on Reddit, and somebody posted uh, a Reddit thread that is a pretty common thread. Every once in a while, shows up where somebody's just got back from the game and they just realized that Sino's changed pretty significantly about a year ago. <laughs> Sorry. And he's just losing his goddamn... No, I mean, it's yeah, exactly. And he's losing his goddamn mind in this Reddit post, ranting about it, and I'm sure he's expecting everyone to be like, yeah, but the thing that got me was that by far the most upvoted post was being told to, telling him to harden the fuck up, which I found really interesting because... The concept of telling people to HTFU has kind of fallen out of favor in the last couple of years, um, I have found, uh, in the way that we discuss new features being built or whatnot. So it's interesting that now, in now that we're a year out, it seemed like the collective, at least on Reddit, had decided that the Sino changes were good and anybody who was complaining about that was just being a whiner. So I thought, Maybe this is because Reddit community is a very specific subset of Eve players. I like to uh, jokingly say uh, uh, Reddit Eve is for people who have been banned from the forums, but either way, um, or can't, can't post on the forums. Anyway, um, but so I went on Twitter. Twitter has a uh, tweet fleet, which is a, a whole bunch of uh, Eve players discuss Eve on Twitter and avoid preferably discussing politics with each other on Twitter. Um, so I put out a, a post, a Reddit thread today brought up the Sino changers happening over a year ago, got me thinking, how do you feel about this Sino changers? Do, uh, those, or how do you feel about those who hate recon blops and, or the uh, mobile Sino beacon requirements for Sinos now? And my two answers were Sino changes were dumb and HDFU get good. And I got 41 votes. I didn't really promote it too big. But I got 80% HTFU. And so I feel like even though this is important to me as we continue to process these changes, industry changes, as people continue to cry about, about the sky falling, you know, quite often when we look back on these cha a change that was highly controversial a year ago, people realize that it is actually just a better game now. So... I don't know. What do you guys think? Am I, am I trying to be too idealistic? What you're seeing is the video called uh, HTFU, and that's why we we call it that. This is an old video. Uh, those are all CCP devs uh, uh, acting out their, their uh, what do you call it, uh, music video fantasy there. Go ahead. 
No, so I, 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 yeah, I want to know whether or not you guys disagreed with me or what you thought. No, I think I, I think it is odd that people are now uh, chanting the heart the fuck up" aspect of it, but I think that's just a that's kind of the flow of Eve in general. Um, you know, I can go back five years, ten years, and there was changes, and at the time it's changing. You know, people don't like change at the time it's happening, but if it brings something positive after a while then, uh, you know, they can learn to live with it. And then it becomes the norm. And now anyone who bitches about it now has to harden the fuck up. Uh, they were all the ones who were screaming and bitching. I can't believe the changes. I can't believe the changes. And they would have lost their minds if they were told at the time, harden the fuck up. But, you know, it's a year later. So, you know, it's the way it is now. Right. And and to be clear, I'm my my interest here is less on individuals, you know, who be being loud about it. The reason why these votes are important is because, you know, upvotes and downvotes are the way that people can control what is seen and whatnot and is often done that way. And therefore, I feel is more of a measure of like the zeitgeist, the overall cultural, what is what is deemed to be a culturally acceptable right. position to have on the matter, uh, which I think is really interesting. And Arya is super evil because he's planted into the head, into my head. I wonder if Tosasov will get the same result in a Twitter poll. And I am now equally part uh, parts really tempted to put that poll up and concerned that I might get tarred and feathered and ran out of the tweet community, tweet fleet community forever <laughs> if I did. So we'll, we'll see, but that's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. One of the things I do think about Fozisov and as I've watched it over the years is that there seems to be kind of this cycle where everybody kind of complains about Fozisov as being the worst ever, but every time that there's like a big conflict, everybody, you know, there, there's always somebody that's like, and Fozisov actually worked this time, acting surprised about it. But it always seems to be doing okay, at least past the original hiccups. All right. Well, go ahead and put it out. We'll see what happens. What else we got in the bag of Friday tricks? There's a... Uh... Did you want to do the Eve Hunt? What to do this weekend? Yeah, yep. I think he's my uh, my son is uh my son is reminding me that uh he's hungry. So let's <laughs> go ahead and wrap up the hour with what to do this weekend. So I'm going to try to uh every Friday really think about what it is that Eve players might want to do this weekend if there's anything going on. So this weekend there's really two things to think about. Uh, the first thing is the hunt, and we posted several videos this uh, week uh, where we discussed the hunt. There's a video uh, from Tuesday where I broke down the mechanics of the hunt pretty completely, and there's other good explanations of the hunt. Um, if you, uh, the better sites are in Kaldari, Losek, um, so, and that is somewhere between 100 to 300 million ISK per site. The hacking sites are somewhere between 5 to 10 million ISK or whatever per data site, which isn't great, but, I mean, whatever, it's a data site. And uh, the high sec sites are somewhere between 5 to 20 million per uh, high sec site. But it's also worth noting that you can get jackpots in um, even in the high sec sites. So one of my buddies got a got the biggest jackpot of the entire night, the five percent Valimar implant that increases tracking speed, uh, that is currently estimated at two billion. But I'm pretty sure he'll probably be able to sell it for about one billion. But uh, got that in a high sec site. So and he got it in like his third site. So his expectations were completely screwed, and he's been running high sec sites expecting another one ever since. And I don't have the heart to tell him, but uh, it's it's a pretty cool thing to do. Um, even if you just want to go out there and kill some pods to get the points to get the skins, 
it's this weekend and next weekend. Um, next weekend will also be not this weekend, but the weekend after will be the uh, PVP event. So if you want to right now, if you want to, you can build assault frigates to have them ready for the inevitable price spike that will happen next weekend during the frigate uh, during the uh, abyssal PVP uh, event. Speaking of industry, um, mm -hmm. there's a very strong chance that all of these industry changes will be happening sometime either the, the 13th or shortly thereafter. So uh, if you have BPCs and mats or plans or whatever, I would break out them spreadsheets, do some math, make a choice about the future, place your bets, because I've never seen a change this big in EVE. So uh, might as well get ready for it. Absolutely. That's it. That's what I got. That's what I would recommend doing this weekend. Yeah, get a little industry. I would uh, also recommend uh, sort sort some of your industry. Just decide what you're doing. Don't go mad over it. Just uh, decide, or you know, uh, be a good Eve bro and give it to a friend, or collaborate. You know, make it a weekend with friends and and decide you're gonna you know gather those last few minerals or go run some sites or you know go do the Easter hunt. Uh, yeah, there's lots of fun things you can do with a friend or two or with a group. Uh, don't, you know, this isn't necessarily I have to do it solo. Um, lots of uh, interesting things happening um, in, in NullSec this weekend. We talked about that last night. Won't go over it. Um, and uh, hey, if you're terminally bored with all of that, uh, Ash Rossi has uh, been putting out a lot of really good videos. Go watch his videos. He's got, uh, what are you up to now? Four or five, something like that? Or is it more? You're on mute. I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, we released uh, our first video with TIS uh, this week, which is the Drifter uh, lore video. I do have some videos on my YouTube channel, but a lot of them are older. Uh, I will be making some in the near future, but oh, it's that, definitely it's check one, out the Drifter video. Yeah, the Drifter one is really good. I watched Drifter and I thought maybe, okay, my misunderstanding, I thought you'd done a couple others and you have one in production, but right. uh, you know, we were going to kind of briefly touch on that a little bit. Um, I think uh, there's just a general topic, which we'll probably save for later. Um, in general, I'll give you a little teaser, though, that's just about being um, creating uh, impartial news uh, reporting. It has been a topic at TIS. Um, you know, we're very open at talking about what side we're on. Um, and you have some unique uh, points of view that you want to share. Um, I think someone, can you say where right now you do kind of have a, a place where people can get a preview of those thoughts? Uh, oh, are we gonna are we gonna talk about this out here in the well, public? Well, I was no. just I, oh yeah oh uh, well um so we were discussing I and I've talked about it on on air that like I like to look at the issue of the war more complexly and you know um, rather than be a cheerleader for one side or the other I would like to have discussion about it that was closer to uh, like a sports pun punnetry right like people who understand the thing that can be like and this is what they're you know the, you can you can discuss the strengths of both sides, the strategies of both sides, and the winds of conditions of both sides. Right. And so, uh, making sure to really point out that, like, uh, in spite of the the damage that's being done to the physical structures and territory of the Imperium, ultimately that isn't what makes or breaks them. And so, their win condition and their objectives are significantly different. And right. to that end. Uh, they released a new YouTube video today, a music video, um, that was uh, really, really, really high quality. Um, and it struck me that, you know, World of Warcraft 
had a community of like 10 million people at one at its height. And so there was plenty of content pre creators that made music and stuff like that at that time. And sure, the, te the technologies and stuff that we use to build these kinds of things have gotten better over time. But I feel like the amount of effort or the amount of quality, the amount of uh, just labor or precision that goes into these videos that are made by both sides of this war yeah. is so high. And the reason why is because if I make uh, if I make a video music video about World of Warcraft, I'm basically just making a video that's celebrating my nerdy hobby and showing off like my video creation skill because that makes me feel good. This is that the 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 video music video that was made by the Imperium or released by the Imperium today or uh, the Imperium member today. I guess it wasn't officially by the Imperium. Where, where is that one? Uh, shoot, it's in our channels here. I'll get it. It is. Um, yeah. I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, it, uh, it really, to me, drives home the fact that the Imperium need to preserve their culture above all else, need to keep in mind their objectives, not, uh, not allow their membership to be persuaded or, or, or dis dissuade by the enemy's actions and propaganda. And so... This video is part of the war effort, right? He didn't just make this video because he likes Eve and he really wants to put some like cool smash up of of some like song with his footage of him poning noobs. He made this because he's hoping that it will help keep the Imperium together and get the Imperium to their victory condition. And because it was done for an objective you can see the additional work the additional uh you know value that was poured into it that a relatively smaller community of 50,000 people can somehow produce this high quality of video content this frequently i think it is commendable um how effective the uh imperium are at cultivating and growing and projecting their culture uh at least internally yeah, it's a really good video, and, and you you can watch it a couple different ways, right? Um, you can watch it just to watch it, or you can watch it objectively like you are. And I think all of the e-videos kind of recently have that. Um, the topic I was bringing up um, is kind of the greater umbrella of this. You know, anytime we're right now talking about the war, we're obviously talking about the very large war going on, but building up our our methodologies and the community to engage with us through those methods to be impartial or to at least to show both sides impartially is a long-term goal of TIS for this war, for the next war, and for all future wars. And so I think in general for me, when we were talking about it earlier, the topic for me goes way beyond, way beyond the current war. It goes to the audience and people and for us to try to find ways to get people on who can represent both sides of the conflict in, like you said, in, in kind of an informed manner so that we can have kind of those types of discussions that we like to have to talk about both sides and be objective, be an objective uh, reporting uh, agency in EVE um, and do so by, you know, exploring all sides of a topic or of a war or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the item is of the day. Um, right. And so, uh, I, you know, and that it, it can be difficult and so then it becomes very difficult because the meta game is so powerful in EVE. Anything you do, even in this medium, in the attempt of being objective, 
can be um, construed the wrong way. And so at some point you just have to, you just have to kind of keep working the plan and you just have to believe on some level that we truly are trying to be objective in, in the, in, in the reporting in the show. And the more people that we can get on, on equal balance on either side in a constructive conversation or in a nice debate without, you know, screaming at each other or turning it into a propaganda show adds value to the listeners and the people, and then ultimately adds value to the game, which, uh, is kind of my big objective to this for me as a, as a, you know, kind of a, a podcaster, um, through the years. All right. Yeah. I, I, and the, the, the thing though, that I think needs to be pointed out though, is that Eve is unlike other games that have competition because there is no stated goal that everyone should be working towards. So when we say one side versus the other side, we might interpret that as being like, uh, you know, uh, I won versus you won, you know, two, two basketball players, right? But ultimately, both basketball teams went into that game agreeing what winning looked like and what they were trying to do. And they may have some secondary objectives within their own little culture or community or whatever, but ultimately their metric of success is the same. In EVE, this is not true. So when I'm saying that the Imperium, it's not just that the Imperium have their own spin, it's that they have their enti an entirely different perspective and understanding of what success and failure looks like and where their potential path to success and failure comes from than Pappy. So it's not just about understanding the other side, it's about understanding the other perspective, the other sets of goals, yeah. the other sets of, uh, of strengths and their culture. And that is much, much, much harder to do, especially in uh, an environment where this is happening, playing out live, especially when you happen to be one of the other major news empires within a group and explicitly in which one of the other news empires is the Imperium's, you know, cultural uh, epicenter. And therefore, by definition, we start out as a default of being not the Imperium and start from there. So it's a very tricky challenge indeed. Absolutely. What are <sighs> you guys talking about? Like, I don't, you're baiting like me can, in and. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Middle I don't know what you I'm dressed, this is I'm dressed like a convict today I'm I'm because I'm going to come at it. you like a convict, but I think you guys are completely wrong. I'm not going to apologize for having opinions on talking in stations, but I will do Absolutely. this. Yeah, I don't think you should apologize at all. I think, though, we should strive to show both sides. I don't apologize. We show analysis, opinion. which is discussion, which comes out of my experience, comes out of your experience, comes out of Ashtarothi's experience, and everybody at TIS is from both sides. We naturally organically represent both sides. If one side decide they want to keep that quiet, we can't account for that vacancy in the way that it should be accounted for if they were public, but they're not. So that's up to them. Yep. The, way, the way I see it is completely different, but I do want to say this. I want to show this because if you want both, if you want um, something like that, this is a really good operator right now. She is Frosty's OP, and she has a bunch of great videos. 
she can see. very neutral just talks about what's happening yeah, yeah. if you yeah. want that that's where you can get that i will totally yield that to her uh because she basically does what we wanted to do which was put out a map and show uh who's doing what where as soon as this thing shows up and if you want impartiality or if you want uh, just the facts, please, you got it. Uh, you should definitely subscribe to her channel and you should get your uh, fix there as far as like what's going on in the war. But uh, that's not what we do. Talking in stations isn't your news service. We are talking in stations as a group of people who have played this game a long time with analysis, with feelings, with object, with some biases. Yep. We just balance out the bias by making sure that everybody can participate. And that's, and that's really what I'm doing is for me, I'm in a total agreement with that. I'm making it very clear. There is an open invitation to people who, if they wish to come and fill that void. In other words, if you think there's a void here, then come fill it. Don't just point at it and say, ah, there's a fire. There's a fire there and walk away from it. Yeah. Pick up the damn extinguisher. Come put out the damn fire if you think it's that important. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you live with what we present and you live with the news that we have. I can't report on something or if either I'm not there witnessing it live or if there's not a piece of information out on the metaverse or if there's a person here telling me about it. Otherwise, you're going to get my perspective on the things that I know and my 16 years of playing. If you want to see a balance. No, I think, though, it's OK for us to strive to try to open up the floor to uh, create the balance but if you don't take advantage of it not my problem then you get what you get well, i think we're saying the same thing we are but it's not yeah. a, it's not an issue of okay I, I know where you're coming from i know where both of you are coming from and it is ideal um it is an ideal that we uh, always use as a north star which is to get get the perspectives and motivations from everybody because we're interested in the entire organism not just one side of the organism but just having this kind of Hey, you're not we don't have enough representation of one side or the other, or we don't have enough representation of wormholers, or we don't have enough rep representation of faction war. It's it's like we're not artificial that way. This is right. very organic. This is very, very person-oriented. No, it's, it's talking very in stations. And that's the whole point, is that all of this, all every episode, everything that we produce is designed to be an invitation to begin a conversation. That's why. We put so much effort into uh, maintaining uh, a great Discord. Aria in chat, who is uh, our community manager, has, was pointing this out, that we have a very active Discord. And that's the whole point. If you feel differently about it, you know, come have a discussion. Polite and respectful discussion, but a discussion. You know, if, if you want, I don't care who you are. If you think I'm wrong, not only will I listen to you, but I'll sit down and I'll I'll record an interview and let you lay out your your story. I've done it before. Yeah, I've seen you do so, that. It's uh, pretty amazing. People are like really in your face about something, and you're sitting there totally keeping cool. I admire <laughs> that. But the point is, is that you know, if I'm wrong, that's fine. Just uh, you know, explain why. Teach me. I need. I'm learning too. We all are. That's the whole point. Right. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, no. This is a. This and is no, a nobody's complaining. It was more like just uh, discussion and musings internally and, and you know, around uh, kicking things around. And then when the video came out, we were discussing uh, the music video. We were talking about uh, uh, 
coverage of Ein and Imp or of Imperium versus Pappy, uh, because we are concerned about we are concerned about a, 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 whether or not we are being perceived as biased, um, and so that spilled out on air. Yay! Anywho. I'm I am not concerned about that. It's uh, something that we discuss internally because right. we discuss metrics, we discuss audience, we discuss the, are we serving the community the way we want to be, and that is just one part of that little puzzle. But am I concerned that we're not serving Imperium members what they want to be eating? Uh, no, I'm not concerned about that at all. And we're not they a counter. They have a seat at the day table, as far as I'm concerned. That's really my concern. Is I just want I'm not concerned ultimately in that regard. I'm just concerned. Uh, not concerned. I just want to ensure that they know, as he just said, there's a seat available if you want it. And, yeah, but I'm tired and, of that, even advertising that. We shouldn't even have to advertise that. You know, I'm not going to. <laughs> sure. That's good. I'm That's not going point. to sit here and say like, "Hey, somebody's not eating in my restaurant." Does anybody think that way? No. <laughs> so, so they what just I say, will "Am I putting them. out? Am I putting out good food for these fine customers that show up?" That's Fair where enough. you. That's but, where you focus. You don't say. What who, I will advertise then is as a demonstration of how open TIS is. Uh, our Patreons are actually allowed to come to all of our quarterly meetings. You know, anytime that we're discussing or making de decisions as an organization, we allow Patreons and other you know people that would have interest in that uh, the ability to come in. And I think that that's a really cool thing. And um, you know, that's just one of several things that Patreons get for supporting TIS. Ha! See what I did there? That Fair shit enough. matter all up. There we go. <laughs> I don't know got what you did. My, my head would spin around if it could, but I don't know. What, I don't know what you just did there. <laughs> we're showing Frosty though, because we we and we're going to go ahead and put this. Uh, let's go back to because we want to promote her work. Uh, we feel that she deserves a lot more views than she's getting. Um, she'll she'll get them. She doesn't need our help, but we'll let's get let's get them. Let's get those views there even sooner than they would normally get there because, uh, again, she lays out the map. She draws circles. She talks about what's going on. I don't think there's a lot of um, uh, deeper narrative than what's going on. She does explain the context of things, which is really good. And so if that's what you want, that's a great place to get it. In addition to what we do here, which is talk from an individual and experienced position. And again, our main goal is to break down what we see the strategy uh, in military efforts, the anthropology and lifestyle. And we try to break that down so that people can understand that. Um, I'm actually really loving this topic if you guys want to go on with it. Even though I'm in my <laughs> convict outfit and you know, being very aggressive towards you. Uh, oh, no, it's fine. Um, I did actually, before, before, since we've now left the trail way behind, uh, I want to actually circle all the way back <laughs> to the, what to do this weekend. <laughs> no, speaking of videos um, that have been released today, a lot of our topics today have all been videos that have all been released today. Um, but actually, CCP... Uh, snuck out an extra video that wasn't listed. So if you like sub to them, it, it's not there, I don't think. But CSP Aurora tweeted it. And what she did was she made a specific YouTube video that was just for how to descan specifically with the context of hunting for these mysterious pods within uh, uh, for the event. So 
if you're trying to use probes to descan the pro uh, pro capsules, just realize that's a pain in the butt. It's better to use descan. There's a very simple step-by-step -step process that can that that you can go to to lock in on or identify where the where the pod is. Go get it, kill it. And descan is one of those tools that really divides the wheat from the chaff when it comes to play pilots in Eve. Um, and so. As I said before, when it comes to this event, one of the things that this event is good for is, you know, this is your annual opportunity to get effectively paid to practice your descan skills. So, you know, get out there, throw it five degrees, and follow her guide or one of the other guides. But the video that was posted by CSP Aurora is a really good uh, breakdown of exactly like the algorithmical process of descanning down a uh, a pod quickly, and that becomes valuable if you are pvping in nullsec if you're in faction warfare the ability to use dscan to remain aware of your situation um, is invaluable to piloting so i encourage everybody to spend some time watch that video and practice it a little bit i don't care how long you've been playing this game i'm um, sorry what what video is that uh it's the one it's on the thing it's right next to the hunt right below yeah, I, I, I don't see a link, but if you could surface that for me. Thank you. There you go. Great. I linked it. Thank you. It's about four minutes long. Oh, I did show oh, that video. Okay, sorry. I showed it on what to do this weekend. So that was uh, earlier. There you go. Oh, did we show it already? Okay, in that case, never mind. It's just in the I, background. Yeah, no, no. But oh, it, I see. It, it had no context when he kind of brought it up. Right, yeah. So right, yeah, okay. definitely listen to it with <laughs> audio. The audio <laughs> is the important part here. I think what yeah. we're what we're saying and the visuals today are totally like <laughs> off, <laughs> like totally off. I take responsibility for that. That's me. This is a Friday, right? We're all just we have had a long week, and we're getting the we're getting Matter all fired up. He's ready to shank someone. I mean, we're all good, right? <laughs> yes, with my toothbrush shank that I created. Yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, um, uh, since we are kind of out of or order today, um, I will actually uh, pimp my own thing. I do. I'm going to be streaming again more in the near future as i've kind of mentioned uh, a little bit yesterday but tomorrow at 0100 i'll be hosting a clear skies viewing on my youtube channel as kind of a fun get together thing awesome clear skies for those who don't know was a basically series of movies that were created what's it called Cin cinema machinima yeah, machinima. Machinima, which is when you use computers and video game um, animation to create movies, basically. Yeah, you build a movie in, a, in game engines, right? So, yeah, mm -hmm. the original Clear Skies was made in the uh, EVE Online game engine and also uh, the Source game engine. He used, like, Half-Life characters uh, for the in internal scenes. But it's a it's a classic... Thing. If you if if you're like, what's Clear Skies? Just look up Clear Skies Eve Online and watch them all, or come tomorrow at zero one. It's made a long time There's... ago, and I believe they're mm -hmm. working on an, uh, a refresh uh, too. So yeah, so they've made he's made three episodes, and then for like ten years, and then like a year ago, they did a, a viewing. CCP actually hosted a viewing of it, and he was there, and that's when they announced Clear Skies four. But he was also trying to run raise funds for that. And so that's one of the things I need to do tonight is double check because I think that they may still need to raise funds for that. So if that's true, I want to actually bring more attention to that. So mm, I hope yeah. to have more information about that yeah, when, by cool. the time, by the showing. 
Right. Okay. Um, little more. I will say though, just to be super pedantic, because I have to. Clear skies is not canonical. I, I, I hate to be that guy. <laughs> I, even this week, somebody was like, "But it's in clear skies," and like, they he did a pretty good job with like the Caldari Galente War to make sure like he understood the politics of it all. But in particular, everything involving the sleepers and road drones and all of his those, that sort of stuff is it was made at a time before we even had the answers to uh, anything about the sleepers. So he kind of took the sleeper lore and the road drone lore and kind of slammed it together rather replace the sleeper lore with the road drone stuff. Um, so, eh, but as far as a quality two hours or something like that of, of movie watching, it is amazing. It is quotable. It is a piece of classic Eve history and culture. John Rourke. How much? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the characters I take it. He's it's the main character. Oh my God. You need to go watch clear skies again. I, I it was I watched it when it came out, uh, wow. but I don't remember it. Uh, like Memory that. cells aren't what they used to be. Yes, it it is a very quotable uh, movie. So we we often have people like just saying quotes from it in mm-hmm. uh, in chat, which is why we actually end up doing the viewing ship parties pretty mm-hmm. much every at least quarter or half a year a year because. It's time to show it again to the people that haven't seen yeah, it yet. Should probably do some Rooks and Kings uh, showings. Yeah, so. that's the other. That's another good. Swear, one. those are like feature, call. feature films for Eve players. Un- unbelievable stuff. Uh, okay, so uh, if you are looking for other things to do in this weekend, uh, there's going to be a lot of activity in Delve, as uh, you have um, what six Keep Stars being attacked before Sunday. So two yep. are attacked today. One. Earlier today, I think it was destroyed. There's a second one being attacked right about now. And then tomorrow, there are two really important ones, GOP and I believe WV6. Those are very important ones. No, e, um, the Helm's Deep Gate, basically, that system. Uh, EO, it's called, I should probably bring this up, E3O. That has a keep star in it that is being uh, attacked tomorrow too. At the same time, minutes apart, uh, GOP keep star goes under attack. Those are two important keep stars, minutes apart. If there's going to be some fight or some action, it's probably going to be one of those keep stars because they're essentially at the same time. So I think one of those will probably be saved if the Imperium tries. But uh, we'll yeah, have I was to ask, see. like, if you. Do you what do you think do, the, do you think do you all in on one of them and let the other one just repair and go after it again or do you actually try to hit both at the same time I wonder uh, it totally it, splitting it, your forces could be a yeah. very risky move it's very greedy yeah uh, again one is after the other but this is exactly what happened in the M2 situation there were too many keep stars too close together and without good coordination there were slip ups that slip up was taken advantage of because the imperium was able to easily gate sorry, jump a bunch of Titans onto one keep star. And then they dared Pappy to move their keep their uh, Titans in and that created M2. But it happened in a situation similar to this. Too many keep stars too closely together and uh, right. slip ups can happen. And the problem is that it doesn't even have to just perfectly overlap because a keep star, like destroying a Citadel takes a half an hour to get through the entire timer if you're at damage cap the entire time. Then multiply that by any sort of tie-dye that happens to be impacting it and account for the fact that it won't be at damage cap the whole time. And so, you know, a keep star fight is going to take a long time. So 
even if they're in the same day, chances are the leadership is going to have to make a decision about how they want to, you know, deal with that. Yeah. So with the with the previous version, did they try to go for them all, or did they let some just go? They just had uh, in the M two situation, they had like two or three keep stars in a row, and uh, there was some, ah, so they were able to just chain them. Yeah, they were trying to just kind of knock off a bunch. It was very aggressive. It was a little reckless. But Pappy was really overconfident at that point because they had really commanded the entire situation. It was tough to get those initial keep stars planted from Pappy in NPC Delve at first. You remember we saw four of them go down in big, big fights, and that was like in October. Um, but by December, they were kind of, you know, uh, taking system after systems, iHub, and they were cruising along. And I think they wanted to step up the cadence and they were looking for a big fight with the Imperium and the Imperium was biding its time and uh, totally took advantage of a mistake, which is what we said would happen once these two massive groups got uh, their Titans and uh, super carriers within proximity to one another, then mistakes would be costly. Whereas before you might lose one or two. Now it could be an, an entire, um, you know, M2 situation that happened. So that's kind of uh, what we were, um, what we're looking for. Uh, by the way, uh, Keepstar Hull Bash takes a theoretical minim minimal time of 24 minutes at full DPS saturation. So for some reason, I thought it was 30. Maybe I just rounded it up for my own, like uh, back of the napkin math at some point and yeah. forgot. Likely Sorry. there's a little bit of tie dye, so it's going to happen. But... Yeah. So also, I want to tell you that we have, let's see, I have a little check in here on structures. And, uh, what I will say is that yeah. um, the citadel, the uh, citadel, which would be the keep star, um, is the as the more military focused one has the longest amount of time, the most hit points, and therefore the longest amount of time that it takes for you to finish the timer. So a writer or an Athenor, or like an engineering complex or a, a refinery would have significantly lower amounts of hit points. And therefore, but the same damage, or sorry, they would have to be at damage cap for a lower amount of time, as well as have a lower threshold for the, that damage cap. So it takes less damage to be maxing out your potential, and you have to do it for less amount of time with mm -hmm. those other structures. But a keep star, that is the longest amount of time. It is the most fortified structure in the game. All right, so there are 15 keep stars in the Delve region that are outside of 1DQ. So let's take 1DQ aside. That has like four or five keep stars in it. But outside of that, there's 15. Six of those can possibly be destroyed this weekend. That would put the keep star count outside of 1DQ at less than 10. And this is down from like 40, 39, 40. Imperium never did have 60. That was always a rumor. There was more like 42 or maybe 48, which is a lot if you think about it. And uh, if you look at uh, all the either destruction or the taking down of keep stars or the double counting, which was accidental, uh, or the kidnapping of keep stars, which has happened too, they are now down to less than 10 outside of 1DQ, which is astounding. Uh, also, I think the count for structures that I've seen uh, is about... 350 structures left in Delve, I believe. 
And uh, by tomorrow, it should be a little bit less than that as they destroy some, not only keep stars, but other structures as well. In other words, things are progressing for Pappy. Their goal is to wipe the slate clean. They've done it in period basis. They've done it in fountain, although some stuff got put back, I think, uh, later. Uh, they are doing it now in Aquarius. So Aquarius is coming down at the same time. I think pretty much Aquarius is done. And now Delve, they're... They're in the middle of Delve. It's still going to take another 30, 40 days, but they're they're moving along at, a, at quite a clip. And we don't see a lot of reversals happening. So uh, the demolition of Delve continues. Uh, another thing I think is important to answer to keep in context or to keep in context here is, is the question, why are there so many keep stars? Like, why would there be so many keep stars to destroy in the first place? Why does it matter if there's 60 versus 40? At a time, this was um, the winning formula. Because the only well, reason more this can, importantly, can happen, let me just say this, is because mechanics change to make this allowable. If we were looking at mechanics from two years ago, none of this would be happening. Go ahead. Right. But since the, key, since the release of Citadels, the Imperium have very frequently used the number of keep stars that they have anchored as a sign of how strong they are, how well they've built back from the previous uh you know war when they got they had to leave decline um and so they put up more keep stars than were practically um necessary as this show or or at least they 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 wrapped this in this veneer of like look at how wealthy we are look at how much money we have we can have we can have personal keep stars do you, you guys don't even have a keep star and that dude has a keep star of his own. This has been part of the Imperium culture and part of their advertising in a lot of ways for years. And therefore one of the reasons why they are as big and as strong as they are. And so now that very symbol of strength is just like a lot of these other things being used against them. They now have to endure watching all of those things burn and, uh, and and process that without allowing their people to feel like that means that the Imperium's leadership has failed them. Because ultimately that's the win condition. That's the that's the driver, right? If if the Imperium, if if Pappies through their actions and through their you know propaganda and through their their the the events that play out, if they can convince the general membership of the Imperium that their leadership has failed them, then the Imperium will crumble and they will have nothing left. But if the Imperium remain, uh, if they can convince their membership that they are strong and they are united in spite of the fact of what is happening, then it doesn't. It may not matter if one DQ falls. They would just continue to be them as they've done before. And so ultimately, preserving that idea and not and so it's really really important to Pappy to ensure that the pain of this process is maximized to, uh, against Imperium. And it's important to the Imperium to, to minimize the impact of these actions and, max, and, and draw focus to, um, to other, ish, other things. Um, actually, going back to that video, um, what, the thing that really struck out to me was that in the comments somebody asked he wasn't even an eve player or wasn't really in the game but has just been paying attention to it on the sidelines he said well if pappy 
is the ones invading and burning all of the Imperium stuff, well, then how can the Imperium call them homeless? And the, there's an Imperium guy in the post that said, you know, we don't, we don't count squatters or something like that. And I thought about it, and it really boils down to that, like, there is actually this other narrative where they, there are counterattacks going on in backlines of Pappy and Pappy loyal forces. Um, and the Imperium in particular are really trying to focus on the damage and the loss of a home that Pappy now has. And therefore, that's a fundamental baked-in concept within that music video. In order to get the music video, you have to accept the, the premise that Pappy is homeless, which is a, a different kind of insult. It also seems to imply, because Pappy, of course, has the assumption that once they're victory, victorious, they will divide up the territory, and therefore homelessness is a ridiculous accusation. So this is another, this is just a, that's what I mean by these are two totally different perspectives. And so depending on which perspective, which framing you allow to go forward, that's what will you know, affect people and, and ultimately will either make or break the Imperium. Randall? Yeah, I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, they have, they, in talking with, um, you know, Imperium members, there's, it gets summarized in, um, you know, it doesn't really matter where we are as long as we are together. And, and, and in essence, that's the narrative that they will push um, to show that it doesn't matter. And, and because that's their culture, that is true. It is, it is a truism. And the more they stick to who they are as an organization, the greater, um, the greater uh, chance or the greater level of success they'll have in, in succeeding and, and not caring about what the real, you know, what the, the answer or sorry, what the outcome of the war is. Right. Um, because the outcome it will be measured however they choose to measure it. Same on both sides, to be fair. And so they they will go wherever they want to go and be whoever they want to be. And as long as they stay together, then they have victory. That's the way they'll, they, they, they talk about it and they believe it. And they're organized that way too. They're just one large group as opposed to a collection of groups. All right, I'm back to convict matter all again with my toothbrush shiv to... Uh dole out some justice <laughs> some prison justice. well I, I i actually do want to say because oh, I, don't, right. I don't want to come out across as a shill uh, or anything for goonswarm i actually fought with test uh, or on test side during uh world war b but uh just to be very clear things are not looking good for the imperium like it is it has not gone well for quite some time and it is burning and it is painful and pappy is has ran an incredibly successful campaign um my point is, is that when we're talking about these things like 1DQ falling versus not 1DQ falling, we got to remember that it's all about breaking the psychology of the Imperium versus keeping the psychology of the Imperium. Yeah, I think you're. I think that's uh, correct. Um, let's just be clear. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot of the stuff that's being said is uh, is said from not from us, but out there. I'm talking about like what you're hearing on different. Uh, avenues of getting messaging out is just makes no sense. Like it's literally, <laughs> it's literally kids saying that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Well, that's the big risk, right? Like, yeah, we didn't want that any, space. Yeah, at any like, time, at any time, if they lose grasp of of their culture at all, then before they know it, 
they will stop being these smug guys living in their castles and it'll be They're a not, leadership as an ostrich with their head in this hand. I've not seen Goonswarm you know, be good winners. I've not seen Goonswarm be good losers. Like No, what I'm, but what I'm saying is is that it's like not part of their DNA to even admit that they're losing. Uh, you know, Pappy's not a whole lot better, but they know enough to not be uh, messaging constantly about this or that. Maybe they don't. This is all people talking, uh, carrying water for what they think is, um, you know, their message and stuff. But it's a big mess of uh, just essentially individuals expressing themselves as best they can about things. But all I've seen is a confusing mess. What I look at is the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation is structures and space is being taken away and there's no answer for it. Yep. There is certainly a lot of destruction and a lot of wealth going away over the last few months. Yeah, the answer for it is not happening in Delve, but we're looking at Delve as the war ground, right? You can burn up the house I left behind. And yeah, I mean, if you look at it, uh, test and legacy are squatters, but they are now starting to put up paintings. They're starting to move in couches. They're starting to like board up uh, broken windows. They're starting to live in your space and you have nothing to say about it. Like there's nothing you can do about that until they leave or something like that. And that's just all rhetoric. So when whenever I see what people are saying or anything like that, I just have to take that whole thing, put it into a box and just shove it out uh, the window yeah. And just look at what's going on on the field. Look at the battle reports. Look at the count. You went from 4,000 structures down to less than 500. Yeah. The, the so, thing that's yeah, important it's... to note is that this is a video game, right? This isn't a real thing. No one has their real, like, livelihood. Uh, well, I mean, okay, fair enough. You. But, I mean, like, it, it, it is a video game. And so um, the reason why I say that is because... The Imperium, like all of the Imperium, the Imperium have to continually convince their people to remain loyal. So, you know, the Imperium will continue to say that they're not losing all day long. What you should pay attention to is what the membership are doing, because you know, if if I think some if of this them game isn't funny anymore, if this right exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. and that's the key. And that's not and a so, lot. It's a few. And there's always the constant reversal of rhetoric, right, or or counter. So. You know, uh, Pappy takes Quarius or Pappy takes, you know, oh, we didn't want that space. Pappy starts moving into Delve. Oh, we, we didn't want that constellation anyway, right? Uh, Pappy moves into Delve. They hunker down, uh, you know, Helm's Deep. Oh, nope, you know, whatever, and they reverse. And now, uh, you know, they're counterpunching in other areas. And the reality is, is Pappy's like, yeah, you can have it, basically, because um, we actually really didn't want it. And then we're mocked, uh, you know, Pappy is mocked and laughed at and, and then well, it becomes a counterpoint, right? It's just this reversal of, yeah. of the same thing. But the, the, the narrative is, is coming from two different sides. And that's what I look at is the purpose of the narrative. And like you, Matterall, what is really happening on the map? What's really happening on the map? So, um, you know, they will continue because of their DNA. They will never lose in their minds. But the practical reality is, is, you know, even if you, even if you, can't accept that you lost you still lose well i think we heard this whole uh thing about and and some people think it's true that hey you'll never destroy us we'll be friends forever and i'm like good luck with that because i don't right think of course they say works. that now that's yeah. the point that's the shield well, that doesn't yep. that doesn't we don't know we'll find out if that's true but that's certainly their defense 
Yeah, we'll find out if that's true. And I, I actually don't think it's true. I don't think many people uh, agree with me on that. But we'll find out in six months to a year, like how together, how strongly knit uh, Goonswarm is. I'm the one that wrote a full article predicting that uh, Imperium could rebound from World War B. And it would be one of the biggest and greatest comebacks that we've ever seen. And I was right about that. And what I'm telling you now from my experience of knowing these people and working and, and, and just seeing like Eve online for so many years is anything is possible. We thought Delve could never fall. And it, it here it is actually falling because the mechanics change. So something can happen to, to destroy things. Sort Dragon played this game for a very long time. He's no longer playing this game because his life situation changed and he's got to do uh, things outside of the game. But also his power base was taken away from him. And I just feel like, hey, there's an example of something you would think could be eternal in EVE Online and is not. So to say we're impenetrable because in our souls we're bonded and we like drinking beer together. Good luck with that. We'll see you in six to a year and see how it all uh, looks at that point. But I don't know how this war is going to end. I'm not saying Imperium is going to lose. Uh, but even if Imperium wins, I feel there'll be a different organization anyway. It's all very interesting, which is why we spend so yeah. much time on it. I think that two things are, are true, which is that we don't know, like, or sorry, two things are not certain, even though people like to discuss it as if it is. It is not for certain that Pappy will successfully clear Imperium out of 1DQ. And it is not for certain that the Imperium will remain together as some sort of cultural uh, you know, monolith even after taking that bad of a whooping. Neither of those two questions have been answered. Pappy is of the position that they will clear 1DQ. Imperium are of the position that they will remain united regardless of what happens and that they'll also win. So, but ultimately... Of course they feel that way. And of course they're saying that. It's a war. That's, the, yeah, it's chaotic and everybody has their story yeah, and nobody okay. knows what anything's happening and it's all bullshit because it's war. So here we go. Yeah. This is what we ever, this, so, this is the great war we all wanted. <laughs> right. And so what I'm telling you going back to the beginning is that we don't get caught up in that. We say what we believe and that's all, right. that's all we can do. Uh, we're not going to say like, we, we got to do 50% more, you know, uh, thinking on in, in no. this way and stuff. So that's that's not what we're about at all. No, but, and I yeah. don't think I was advocating. I don't think any of us were advocating. No, no, that. I think, and I'm sorry, I'm not pinning this on you guys. I'm almost using you as straw man. Uh, no, that's all Because I got my convict shirt on, so I got to do something. Yeah, but I, I fight back. You come at me with a shiv, I'm coming back. Yeah, you like a wild I don't, I'd probably lose that one. <laughs> I don't know if certain Australians have anything to do with any of this. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I think we're over time, but, uh, but, but we're having yeah. fun. If you want to have these discussions with us, you can join us in Talking In Stations Discord, uh, where there are plenty of Imperium members. <laughs> yeah, you can see them all in there. So, as, as we said, like Talking In Stations is all about creating a platform for discussion. It's in the name. It's about just creating talking. So, yeah. you know, just be civil. Go to our Discord. Check it out. Hang out. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for it. All right, thanks, guys. We'll uh, we're gonna run over to send you over to uh, Open Comms uh, and have a great like you know weekend. We have one thing to announce, and that is that we had an interview with uh, was it No Holds Barred? Oh God, I hope that's it. Um, uh, and they uh, just recently fended off an evac. They're a wormhole group, 
And so we'll uh, we'll show you that interview tomorrow. So we have something for you even on the weekends. Uh, we'll put that interview out tomorrow. And it's actually really cool, really interesting, and a little little funny too. So you check that out. Uh, okay. So thanks, Ash, for hanging out. And uh, Rundle, you too. Yeah, my pleasure. Always fun. And thank you guys for hanging out with us. I uh, appreciate it. We're going to send you over now to uh, open comms for the rest of Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We will see you Sunday on Talking In Stations.